If you would like to hear more sermons from Rabbi Ryan Bauer, he speaks every first Friday of the month at 7.30 p.m. at Congregation Emmanuel. The following sermon was delivered on Yom Kippur Day, 2008, at Congregation Emmanuel in San Francisco. Here we are again at another Yom Kippur. It's a little different. We have blue angels today. There's a special effect I added for the sermon. But as a child, I dreaded this holiday. And it wasn't because I just had to get dressed up. It wasn't even the fasting. And it wasn't even, if you can believe it, because I had to be at the synagogue all day long. So what was it about? I dreaded Yom Kippur because of the infamous Book of Life. I literally imagined God sitting over this big book and writing down the names of who was going to live for the next year. Fate felt preordained. I felt powerless. And year after year, I would come trembling to the synagogue, hoping that my loved ones would make it just one more year. And I would sit in the pews, and I would look around, and I would wonder, who am I going to say goodbye to this year? Who's not going to be here next year? Yom Kippur is not about looking forward and wondering, am I going to die? Because we actually already know that answer. Yes. Every life on earth must end at some point. It's just part of the human condition. Bodies break down, DNA makes mistakes, and ultimately, we die. We may get cancer or heart failure, but we do know that we will die. What we don't know is the when. On Yom Kippur, we are meant to stare head-on at our own death. Today is meant to be a kind of dress rehearsal for our death. Everything that we do in services is meant to be with the intention that today is truly our last day as a physical being on this planet. It's why we stop eating. We literally stop putting in the necessary requirements into our bodies to sustain our physical life. It's the reason why Rabbi Mintz and myself are wearing kittles. This is the same kittle that I was married in, and it's the same kittle that I will be buried in. It has no pockets, because when I die, there's nothing physical I can take with me from this world. And ironically, although death is all around us, we continually say over and over again, V'chat venu b'sefer ha-chaim. May we be inscribed in the book of life. Now in Judaism, we know as much as we can know that we cannot pray our way out of our final destination. We cannot pray our way out of our own death. And so this begs the big question, 
What is this book of life? What is this book of life that we pray so fervently for, that we hope to be inscribed in? The book of life is not about the life of our physical bodies. The book of life is about the life of our souls. And it's not written by somebody above. Rather, the book of life is written in each generation, in each conversation that we have, in each moment that we touch another soul, or when we open our souls to be touched. And each year, every single one of us, we add our own chapter and a new chapter to that book of life. Rabbi Dove Taylor says that each time that we truly touch another soul and each time that we open our souls to being touched, that's when we find ourselves in the book of life. It sometimes happens in our families or with our friends, with our colleagues or in our congregation. In every human encounter, we inscribe ourselves on the tablets of each other's lives. We leave our fingerprints and our signatures. But what does this book look like? Let's explore that. So I'd like everybody to close their eyes. Just for a minute, everybody close their eyes. And I want you to bring to the front of your mind someone who has had a profound influence on your life. Perhaps this is your mother, your father, your sibling, a grandparent, or a teacher. Think of someone who has passed down values and taught you how to live in the world. And now ask yourself, how do you live your life as a result of that person? Are there certain things that you do as a result of their deeds or their words? Now open your eyes. That is what it means to be inscribed in the book of life. That person is inscribed deeply into your life and into your actions. It was their lives, their example, their words, and their deeds have permeated to the depths of all of our souls. This is how we are written on. And this is what it means to write. When a person has died, we rabbis, we have this incredible honor. We're called into the family member's home to meet with the family. And there's only one real question that we ask. Tell me about your father or your mother or your brother, or your sister, or your loved one. And when this is asked, 
something incredible often happens. Each family member slowly shares with me and with the others in the room who this person was, what their life was all about, and the values that they had passed on. After an hour of laughing and crying, the person's soul is so present in that room, it feels as if they are sitting among us. That is the book of life. But you see, this only happens when a person has made that conscious effort to share and to open their souls. When they shared what they learned in their life and have not only said it in words, but have demonstrated it through their actions. And if they haven't, if they haven't opened their souls, there's a tremendous loss. Because all that they experience in their lifetime, the highest moments to the very lowest moments, and everything in between, and everything that they learn from it, is lost. And then when I ask the question, tell me about your father. He loved golf. And I say, no, no, no. Tell me about your father. What was he like? What did he stand for? What were his values? He really loved golf. We are reminded today that our bodies are not eternal, but it's what we do with our soul that is. A rabbi once said, that which you give away is your only real permanent possession. That which you give away of your time or your money, or your love, that no one ever can take away from you. That is your real legacy. That is what you will be remembered for. That and only that. Now it turns out this sermon has some homework in it. You thought I'm coming to Shoal, Jim Kipper, and now I'm getting homework. I'm sorry you get homework here. When you go home, treat today as if this is your last day here. As if you actually know the when. And then write your chapter in the book of life. Maybe thinking, oi, it's a big assignment. What am I supposed to write about? What part of my life am I supposed to look at and share? There's an old story of a king. He was a great king. And everybody would bring their problems to him. Their conflicts, everything. And he would resolve all of them. But every single night, he would head up to the very top of the palace. And he would take this box out. Place it on his bed. He would open it up, reach into the box, and take out this diamond. And it was... A perfect diamond. That's why he liked it. And he would look into it. And it would remind him that all of the problems that he saw through the day, all of the cracks and destruction in the world, there was still one thing which had no blemishes on it, which was perfect. It would bring him peace. But one night there was a tragedy. 
As he was looking at his diamond, it slipped out of his hand, flew across the room, and landed on the stone floor. He was terrified to check. He walked up, he picked up the diamond, he looked, and there was a crack which ran from the very top of the diamond all the way to the bottom. He was devastated. The one thing which he held in the world, which had no blemishes, which was perfect, now had a huge scratch. Well, his advisors saw how upset he was. And they were doing everything they could to make him feel better. They brought jewelers, gemologists, scientists, technicians. They even brought wizards. No one could fix his diamond. Finally, a few weeks go by, and a craftsman come. And he says, King, I can repair your diamond. You can repair my diamond? Not only can I repair your diamond, but I can make your diamond more perfect than it was ever before. All these other people came here, and no one could fix my diamond, but you can make it more perfect than it was before? I'm going to need a week. So he gives him the diamond. A week goes by. He comes back. He hands the diamond to the king. The king was so excited. He takes the diamond. He holds it up to the light. And there's the crack sitting straight down the diamond. He says, do you think I'm an idiot? The crack is still there. And he goes, king, slow down. Look again. And so the king took the diamond and he held it up to the light. And he noticed that at the very top of the diamond, the craftsman had etched the most magnificent rose he had ever seen. And at the center of that rose was what used to be the crack. And now it appeared as the most beautiful and most magnificent stem he had ever seen. And the king realized the crack could never be taken away. But the crack could be turned into a rose. And he said, here, my Lord, it is not only repaired, but it is now more perfect than it was from ever before. Each of our lives is made up of cracks. We may call these imperfections. This is just part of being a human. These cracks are the challenges of life that are filled with pain and suffering and disappointment and, at times, poor decisions. But the way that we grow and ultimately the way that we make teshuva is by taking our pain and our mistakes. Instead of seeing them as flaws that can never be fixed, we see them as opportunities to etch a beautiful and a unique rose. And it's then when we share this rose. So when you go home, your homework assignment is to write your chapter. Act as if today is really it. As if you really know the when. Sit with a loved one. Share what you've learned from your life so far. Talk about your highest moments, and also, very importantly, talk about your lowest moments, the most painful moments. 
Because we know that these experiences often shape us the most profoundly. And when we share this vulnerable piece of our soul with others, this is when we take the cracks in our diamond and make our eternal etchings. Etchings which make up the words of our lives. Etchings which are eternal. Etchings which live beyond our bodies. But you see, this does not take place in just one conversation or in one letter. The chapters of the book of life are written throughout a lifetime. A lifetime of sharing our souls and our lives through the entire journey. And not just on Yom Kippur. A Midrash says that as Adam and Eve, as they left the garden and they started toiling throughout their entire life, when they reached the end of their life, they decided what they wanted to do was to tour the world. They wanted to see God's creations. So they went to the very highest mountains. They went to vast deserts and they watched the sunrise. They went to the edge of the ocean and they watched the sunset. And on their journey, they came to a place which seemed vaguely familiar. It was the Garden of Eden. And when they looked, they saw the angel was still standing there with the sword made of fire. And it scared them. So they started to run. But suddenly they heard the voice of God. My children, stop, stop. You have lived this many years in exile. Your punishment is complete. Come back to the garden. Come back home. Come back home. Now suddenly when God says this, the angel disappears. The doors of the garden open. But Adam was a little bit more shrewd at this point. And it was a long time ago since he was in the garden. So he says, God, what's it like in the garden? I, I don't really remember. The garden. The garden is paradise. In the garden, there is no work. You never need to struggle or toil again. In the garden, there's no pain. There's no suffering. In the garden, there's no death. In the garden, there's no time. There's no yesterday or tomorrow. There's only an endless today. So come, my children, return to the garden. Come home. Come home. And Adam, he considered God's words. He thought about a life with no work, with no struggle, no pain, no passage of time, a place where there was no death, an endless life of ease, no tomorrow and no yesterday. And then he turned and he looked at Eve. He looked into her face, the face of the woman who he had struggled to make a life with, to take bread from the earth with, to raise children, to build a home. And then he looked at the wrinkles and the lines in her face. And he saw in them all of the tragedies that they had overcome, all the joys they had cherished. And he saw in her eyes all of the laughter and all the tears that they had shared. And as Eve looked back at Adam, she saw in his face all the moments 
that had formed their lives. Moments of jubilant celebration and moments of unbearable pain. She remembered the moments of life-changing crisis and the many moments of simple tenderness and love. And she remembered the moments when a new life arrived and also the moments when death intruded. And looking into his wife's eyes, And even to his, Eve reached out and took Adam's hand. And Adam shook his head to God's request and said, no, thank you. We don't need that anymore. And he turned to Eve and he said, let's go home. They turned their back and they went home. The knowledge and the wisdom that Adam and Eve gained enabled them to move beyond their physicality and embrace what is truly eternal. The words, the deeds, the suffering and the joy, the chapters that they had written into each other's lives. Although I'm a little bit older now, and I've learned a bit since I was a child, I still find these days scary. I'm no longer focused on the sense of powerlessness or lack of certainty in the year to come. Instead, I'm humbled by the degree of power that we do have. It's a lot to hold. The book of life has never been written by someone above. Rather, the book of life has been written in each generation, in each conversation, in each moment someone has touched another soul, or when we have opened our souls to be touched. You see, this is our moment that we pick up our pens and we delicately etch into the diamonds of our lives. And our hope, we can just hope that when we reach the end of our physical lives, that we, just as Adam and Eve, we realize that eternal life is not found in a place that has no time. But rather, our time here is what makes our life eternal. You see, this is the paradox. The book of life was never about death. The book of life was about just that, life. V'chatvenu b'sefer birchotecha hachaim. May you be inscribed for a blessing in the book of life.